Welcome to Black Bead Podcast, where we take an unapologetically Black approach to profiling people and stories that are significant to the connectivity and advancement of our community. I'm John Washington. I'm the CEO and Editor-in-Chief of Flossom Media and your host for each Black Bead Podcast. Today, we are honored to welcome Marquise Johnson Bay to the show. Johnson Bay was born and raised in Portland and is a renowned artist and photographer who got his start capturing basketball games with legendary Harlem Gold trotter Les Pee Wee Harrison. You know, and I, I, I know this brother, man. <laughs> Metal Art Lemon. And in addition to the, to, to the artistic pursuit, Marquis also currently holds the position of Deputy Chief of the Morris Science Temple here in Portland. It's sure an honor to have you on the show today, Marquise. Welcome, my brother. Welcome. As long as I'm doing. Hey, man, I'm doing great, man. It's, it's, it's always good to have a brother like you on the show, man. Uh, you know, because we, we need to get something straight sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Marquise. I mean, you know, bring bring who's this guy I got, this live type guy I got sitting in front of me right now? Uh, ooh, um. Well, as of today, you know, um, I, I, you know, I'm just an artist that um, just likes to just stay creative and help my people out any way that I can. Um, how I've been doing that lately is just through my art. You know, I've been um, kind of help pushing the nationality narrative for our people, and I like to use my art to do that. Um, other than that, you know, I'm locally grown here in uh, Portland. Uh, I was in the U.S. Navy for about four years um, between 97 and 2001. And then after that, the uh, creative bug just kicked in. And we started a publishing company with a, a friend of mine. Well, I call him my brother, uh, Samuel Irvin. We started Abstract Visions in 2001. And we used to publish uh, poetry chat books and do like, you know, art poetry shows and things of that nature. Um, and then he passed away and I believe it was like 05, between 05 and 07. And then I kind of just took a hiatus, kind of just messed me up a little bit. Yeah, and, um, you know, I got into photography after that, like around 2010, I started doing photography and hanging around, um, these two guys, uh, they had a, a studio downtown Northwest second called Bonga media. Mm. It was with Jim Kemper and uh, Michael Washington. Yeah. He used to like just go in there and just, just watch them just, you know, do their magic. And um, at that time I was just doing poetry and events and uh, you know, the photography bug kicked in, uh, you know, when I was hanging out with them and I've been doing photography like ever since. And then I ran into Les and the Globetrotters and, you know, got even more involved in photography with them. So it was, it was pretty, it's been a nice journey. Yeah. journey. But tell me more, man, about this piece you're doing about this nationality piece, man. Was, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, okay. Well, for me, how it all started, and I have to include like my, my journey of how it, Come it, on, man. it makes sense. Yeah, what, is, man. So, um, what I was doing, I was, I was taking some photo classes down in uh, San Francisco at the San Francisco Art Institute, the little monastery school they have in North Beach. And when I got there, I started shooting these um, images, what I was calling Nubian guards at the time. Wow. And you know, I, I would recreate images of these Nubian guards in ancient times. 
And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking much of it. I'm just like, you know, this is a cool thing. This will be my thesis. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna rock out. Uh, lo and behold, I took these images to my professor at the time. And he looked at the images and he looked at my inspiration and my inspiration for the images was a painter by the name of Ludwig uh, Deutsch. Hmm. Um, and Ludwig Deutsch, uh, what I had come to find out was that he went around the world uh, and he's an Austrian painter, went around the world and he painted uh, Moors of old times. So he painted them in their, wow. in their own environments, whether it was in Austria, Hungary, the Americas, or in Europe or, or Africa. Um, and the ones that I found that I came across were here in America. Um, so I showed my professor and he was like, uh, you know, you sure these are Nubian guards? And I was like, yeah, you know, he was like, well, research the painter and then uh, come back to me because the painters at those in those times, and this was like the painting that I had found was like, late 1700s, early 1800s. And he was like, you know, they used to hire painters or commission painters to paint Moors or Aboriginals at that time before they would decimate the people. Wow. And I was like, okay, I don't want to, you know, get my inspiration from somebody that was a part of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I researched uh, Ludwig Deutsch and I kept finding other painters like Rudolf Ernest and some other ones. And those were called Orientalist uh, painters at the time. Right. They still are today. Um, and he wasn't into that that sort of thing. Like he was just painting the Moors and you know learning about Islam and Orientalism and kind of like just just that was his documentary for himself. Um, so during my my research, I was like, well, I need more information. And uh, he was like, you know, these are old Moors of Spain and and so forth. But I was like, these are in America. And my professor was like, well, keep researching. So I, I keep researching. And, you know, when you run into Moors, you're also going to run into the Jews of Spain. Wow. Um, so I was like, well, there's old Jewish communities in America. So where's the old Moorish communities? Wow. <laughs> and so come on with it now. Tell us a little bit about it. Come on. So I'm doing all this research and I had took a trip uh, you know, I was, I was in the San Francisco area. So I'm digging around Oakland looking for uh, other Moors mm -hmm. and it was hard to kind of, kind of find them at the time. And this was like around 2014, 2000, early, no, 2014, 15, 13, around that time. So I'm looking for these, these communities and I went to around Oakland. I went to, uh, Baltimore and DC, went up to Seattle, uh, went to a couple more spots back East. And when I went to uh, Baltimore, that's when it really, really hit. Wow. And I ran into um, the Morris, uh, the Morris Science Temple of America, the Divine and National Movement, Inc. Number 13, the Morris American National Republic. Um, and then I was just given all of this information and then it just started to snowball. And then uh, I found out there, there was a, a Moore School of Law and History so the Moore School of Law and History has been in operation since the early 70s, late, late 60s, early 70s. And this Moore School of Law and History was actually set up to replace the Freedmen's Bureau to educate the, the current slaves or ex-slaves, right? Um, 
So I went out to Baltimore. I talked to the Grand Sheik and other uh, members out there, got a bunch of information. Then my research took me back to Portland because I found some, some moors here in Portland. And all this time, you know, I was going from Frisco to Portland, to Portland, yeah. Frisco, and to Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. So I left San Francisco. Actually, before I left San Francisco, I was given a book uh, by the title of Exhuming a Nation by uh, Noble Drew Ali. And uh, I, this book is like 400 pages. And um, as I'm in school, I'm spending more time reading this book than my actual classes because this pertains to me <laughs> and my, my photography project. Yeah. Mm. So there, there was days where I was at school and I wouldn't go to class. I, I would go eat, come back to my dorm room, and I would just read for like, it, it was about hmm, three to four months straight. Um, it was just a different fire got set inside of me um, for this photography project. Um, at times I forgot I had a photography project because I was <laughs> up doing so much research. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I actually became what I was searching for because wow. that's who I was. Wow. And I had learned um, through my research and other just, you know, you pick, you know, when you, when you, when you run into more science, you run into other metaphysical knowledge. Yes, sir. And, about. There's a, um, there's a, a saying that anything that is part of your evolution, it also has to be part of your involution. So the fact that Negro, Black, African-American was a part of my evolution and I discovered more science in my involution than on my evolution on the other end was more science. So that's always been a part of who I was from the get-go. So that's one thing that we don't deal with in society is we never talk about the involution part of our evolution. And... Um, that was one of the most important parts that I discovered. So, so your definition of involution is the learning, the knowledge of the internal self. Exactly. The awareness of the internal self. Yeah. And you know, bro, we've been on this, that, that platform and mission. We'd be amazed at a lot of the interviews. Somewhere along those lines is that somewhere in there, there is that conversation. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily sound as eloquent and as organized as you make it sound. But it's, it seemed to allude to that internal messaging, that conversation, that internal conversation, man, and how important it is. You know, but, but now that we own this topic, man, uh, give me a share with me a little bit about your perception about race relations in this country today. What's your perception a little bit about it? And then we'll come back to a little bit about, you know, the storyline around the photography and all that. But I'm just fascinated, man, and how you would keep, you know, utilize your knowledge of the self today in relationship to what's going on in the world today. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll have to say that one, um, my, my perception of what's going on in today's society yeah. I, is very, very different. yeah, it's very, very different from your average person, I, I would have to say. Um, one is that I'm aware that when we deal with uh, names and titles, that's a part of nature. So your name also defines the nature of what's going on or however you choose to use it, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that if a person decides to call themselves a doctor, they will manifest things that will uh, help them become a doctor. They will manifest the knowledge, the, the conversations, the tools, and so forth, and then they will progress to become a doctor. 
because that name, the nature of that name will manifest. Right. Now, if that person wants to be a basketball player, they'll manifest basketball games, the dress code, the, the language, and then they'll manifest that career. Now, when we use the titles Negro, Black, Colored, African-American, I know that those are slave titles given to us by our ex-slave masters. Now, the nature of those titles have to manifest in this society because words have power and they manifest. So when I use the title Negro, Black, Colored, African-American, those being slave titles, then slave issues and occurrences are going to manifest undeniably. Now, when we use a free national name, i.e. a a nationality that's tied to law, people, and land, then those things will manifest for that individual, right? So when you use a a national name, that has um, credence with liberty, has credence with law, has credence with justice, and having social freedoms, right? So those names will empower that individual in society. Um, Now, when it comes to our people and how they're being subjected and oppressed on the street, uh, we have to time out and pause and say, okay, like what's wrong? Well, one, we're using the wrong names and titles that are allowing these things to manifest. Right, right. You know what I mean? And then- Yeah, your internal locus of control. Right. Versus your external locus of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just then, you are what you create. Exactly. Which exactly. is the thing, yeah. Yeah, and then two, we're at a tune with the law, right? Now, we grew up, I mean, not, I didn't grow up, but a lot of our people grew up in civil rights era and Jim Crow. And, you know, we never put two and two together of like, why is this happening to our people? And then, you know, why do we seem like we're at a tune with the law? Well, we're at a tune with the law because we're not using the right ancestral names in law because the titles Negro, Black, and Color have nothing to do with anything constitutional in this country. Mm. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, that's that's outside of the Constitution. Whereas when you have a, a free national name like Moorish American or, or um, you know, um, we'll say um, like a Japanese American or a Hindustani American, those names are tied to a constitutional body in law. You know, they come together in law and they deal with lawful things. Our people don't deal with lawful things as, as a nation. Collective body, correct. Right. Wow. Well, man, that's a that's some deep insight onto that that part of that, man, because I'm right with you on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this this whole, you know, notion about an upright back can't be ridden. You know, this this whole idea is if you stand for something, then then obviously you're gonna manifest something. Right. And if you and if you continue to allow yourself to be subjected to a subordinate reality, then you're gonna probably manifest subordinate name. You're gonna be in a subordinate position with it with it with the benefits, right? Right. You know, and our, our people have to be more self-accountable in this situation. You know, um it, it sounds odd and it sounds no, bad. Man, it, it don't sound odd. You and I have something in common, and you know, with that, maybe it was just that natural Morris nature inside of me. <laughs> you know, because no, I'm 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 a firm believer in that, man. I you know, I you know, we, we continue to advocate and, and, and have a persona that brings in subordinate or, or how, how would you say the victim, you know, that whole victim, right. victim 
posture, man, that says that we are subjected to whatever because we are nothing, you know? And I'm not buying all of that because just as you said, there is an internal conversation that we have with ourselves. And if it's in you, it's going to yell out to you <laughs> every yeah. once in a while and say, boy, identify yourself. You got to hear that voice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Another thing is that a lot of the, a lot of the, the woes that our people are going through all of this stuff is written in law, what they can and can't do under the Negro Black title. You know, like I just discovered a book called The Legal Status of the Negro. Um, and come to find out, you know, a lot of the, the states, um, they base the status of a Negro, one, by one, he's not a naturalized citizen under the Hebrew code. And then two, on education. So a lot of the Negro status laws are based on Negro education, um, which is, you know, sad to say, but it's like public education. Yeah, and man. That's not, and that's yeah. not being educated by your, your ancestor or your cultural peers, right? Um, and then also, you know, when you're in this, this uh, when you go through the Moore School of Law and History, we're also given a book called The Negro Beast. And come to find out that book, Negro Beast, was passed around our, not, not amongst our people, but around our people, declaring <laughs> uh, them the status of a beast because they weren't, ne they were never declared and never took care of their national business to become naturalized citizens of, of the government, which they helped build. Wow. Well, wow. you know, and, and Marquis, you do, you do have, you have your hands on the trigger, man. So so tell me on some of this knowledge and information, man, since you, you know, your field of endeavor of media and, and photography and those types of things, man, what's been some trials and tribulations you've experienced in your life, man, and, and working through getting to and arriving to this place through your, your career? Um, I have to first, I have to say I've had more fun in this Moorish paradigm because I've learned how to uh, kind of live above the shoulders. Yeah. And then two, um, a lot of those trot, what I guess, you know, what kind of prepared me for this was, gosh, you know, when I look back, I look at, you know, my grand, my grandparents and I look at key things that they used to do. Yeah. And then I see the cultural um, connection. <laughs> you know, that's fascinating, boy, because I was just on that journey. I ain't got off it yet. <laughs> You know, because they used to Georgia, boy. You know, dirty, yeah. yeah, they used to do things around the house and the way that they, they, they talk about certain things. And then the more I, I dig into this Moorish history, you know, I, I'm like, OK, that's why they used to do that. And that's why they used to do this, you know, because there's one thing. Um, there's a book called uh, We're All Moors by Anwar Majid. And, Anwar, and in that book, it says, you know, during the Inquisition, um, the Portuguese and the Europeans used to make us keep our doors open. Wow. So that we couldn't close the doors and worship our own God or practice our own spirituality and stuff like that. And it's small things like that where I look back when I when I was growing up, you know, we used to always keep the doors open back in the day. You know, summertime. Yeah. That yeah, don't nah, that yeah, door, doors open, you know. Oh, yeah, go to anybody's house. Your grandmama all of you go right in the back door. You know, always a door was always always open. And uh, when I read that, it kind of connected the dots of why we we would always do that. Um, but just you know, just paying attention to my my elders, you know, hearing listening to things they would say and how they would act, and 
then I look at the cultural connection between, you know, our people today and the Moors of the past, and it all just ties together. You know, it's like, if you don't see it, then you, you don't want to see it then, you know? Yeah. 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 I, that, that's a true statement, bro. If you don't see it, you don't want to see it. You, you, yeah. you own something there. And, um, uh, another uh, small thing that I ran into, and it has to do with, because uh, your last name is Washington. Oh, right? man, I was about to say that to you. I said, truly, uh, uh, if you want to talk about a master's, I mean, a master's name, I, well, I was plagued with it. <laughs> yeah. so funny, but that man. was the curse of the beast. That that will be John Washington. I said, damn, boy, <laughs> what y'all want to be to run for office or something? With these what? The, funny, the funny thing about that is that the, the Washington name comes from the Washita Empire. Washita Empire, you write about that. And there's not too many Europeans with the name Washington, except for we know George Washington. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I ran into uh, some more information on him where, you know, he was actually half Washita, and that's why he got the name Washington. There you go. Which See that, and, and it's, 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 it's it, but you know, man, it's kind of like once you get to a certain level of, of, uh, you know, man, there was, like you said, there was some key spiritual truths that, you know, we don't understand how to turn the key to some of the spiritual notion. We practice on things, but we don't never get the key. You know, it's like how people pray constantly, right? And they pray and they go, well, my prayers don't get answered. Well, you know, maybe because you don't understand that there has to be an emotional appeal to go along with that prayer, yeah. you know, as, as a key. You know, for it to be, you know, and, and, these, and these were the little things like there was so much omitted from us. You know, we got a We got a chunk of the knowledge, but the keys was always taken out of it. You yeah. <laughs> and so, but hey, man, but so so tell me, so how is so you, you got your joy right from, you know, finding your internal spiritual self, you mm -hmm. know, and you arrived to it. So and now you're in the arts. And so, 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 so bring us, man. Just so how are you conveying that message through your art now? What's um, how's all that working? So, uh, so what, so, so when I was in Frisco, uh, I, I turned that so-called Nubian project into a Moorish uh, photo series project. Wow. Um, so what I've been doing since like, what, 2014 is I've been going around um, photographing Moors around the country whenever I can. Wow, man. Whether they're locally or, you know, if they're, I'm in Detroit or, or Baltimore or whatever, or down in Cali. Um, and what I'm, I'm creating is a, a Moorish uh, coffee table book. So I'm pretty much done with it. Uh, you know, the research is done. I just have a few more photos to take. And uh, it's like these canvases on my wall. Yeah, I was looking at them. Yeah, so those are a part of, uh, part of the, uh, I'll just grab this one real quick. So like this is part of the Moorish photo series. And so uh -huh. I also do canvas work uh, for that series. So whenever I photograph some Moors, I make sure that that person gets a canvas. And that way, you know, I'm able to, to keep a copy and document it for, for the book as well. So it's, it's, it's a similar process to the basketball uh, project that I just completed. Um, yeah. So what was the Moors' take on athleticism? Oh, wow. Um, so the Moors used to use basketball as a, um, they have it as like a, a game of a, a challenge, where it's like, um, you know, like, a, um, how can I put this in a simpler term? Um, well, we have this thing called a gauge, right? 
So a gauge is not only something that, that you can measure with, but it's also a, a, a symbol of like a exchange or a, like a triumphant exchange or something like that, right? So right. gauge will be a symbol of my victory if I win, right? Okay. Um, so it would be things like that as far as like um, just ceremonial games culturally, um, you know, the, the Moors and the, and the basketball thing goes back to the Aztec days down in South America or what they call um, with the Omex and right. what happened. Um, so it, it, it varies. It varies. Okay. It definitely varies. Okay. So, so today, as you, as you evolve in, in your endeavors, you know, when you're working with young people today in, in your projects and in some of the projects that you're, you have now in tow, I mean, what, what is your, what, what do you, what's the gift of giving and exchanging in that? And what's the motivation? And how are you, tell us a little bit about the mechanics of that experience for you, with like, you what, in this. What's, what's my, what's my, 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 my exchange about that? Yeah, yeah, what's that? What, and you, with all the knowledge that you have and while working with young people about a skill set and, and in art, you know, um, what is it that you, you're hoping to convey to these, to these students and these people in your encounter? Um, well, with the basketball project, you know, that deals with the, the title of the project is called, Where Did You Learn a Meditation on the Element of Play Culture? Uh. So with, with that specific project, my goal is to, um, with the, uh, the, the, the gems that are, or the jewels that are in there, is to, to show people that you're not just playing a game you know like in the book we talk about playing contests talk about playing war we talk about playing litigation uh, we talk about playing poetry um so when a person is playing it's not just yeah you're having fun but there's always more at play whether it's the unknown whether it's the unknown the the scene or the the seen or the unseen um, the heard or the unheard, um, there's always something at play. It might have to deal with your destiny. It might have to deal with your fate. It might have to deal with something legal. Um, but you know, when, when we deal with play, it's a cultural thing also that it's a character builder. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's an interlude to your yeah. day to let you recharge. Yeah. You know, um, it's all these different facts <clears throat> that happen. And I just want, the, the younger kids to know, like, although you're having fun, here's some reasons why. Or you can add this or think about this when you're playing or when you're learning to play, you know? Um, it, it, you know, and it also allows the person to kind of manifest and teach themselves some new things to new dynamics when they play as well. Um, so it's just something I just thought <laughs> they should have. I mean, there's there's like character builders in there as well. That no, I no. Marcus, I think you're right on point, bro. You know, um, and I would have never been able to validate that with you if I didn't have that pathway that I had to come through myself. Mm -hmm. You know, as a former athlete myself, I, you know, one one didn't didn't know and understand the motivation for it at that time, but it was definitely the vehicle. You know, I mean, for me, for escaping of poverty, but not just escaping poverty, man, but ex but evolving in character. Yeah. You know amazing how it exposed me to myself you know I don't know who who it was that said that Obama or somebody that said 
that situations don't make the man, situations show what the man is really all about, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and for me, that was, that was really seeing behind the veneer, being able to challenge myself to feats and heights that, you know, was amongst the 10% of this country first opened the door. But, you know, and, and a lot of times we didn't, I didn't necessarily like what the door, when it opened up, what I saw, you know, because you know, right. you know, most of it was pointing, the vehicle was mostly pointing at that external track, you know, it was about money, you know, cars or whatever that, that, that was, you know, and so, but it wasn't necessarily the interpretation. It un unconsciously, it gave me the value of self, you yeah. know, and once I had that, it was now a, a level of maturity with that that came ensued, you know, and uh, rather it was the Moors, rather it was through the Masonic order, whatever that was, the whole idea of that was about capturing the self and having that essence of understanding the source of dignity, yeah. you know, and, 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 and that true nature that Paul Robeson and everybody else talked about before us was, I simply just wanted to experience what it felt like to be a man. You know, yeah. you know, yeah, right you know, right. and, uh, and he had to go to foreign soil to be able to experience that experience, you know, and but to know that you captured and you have in, in tow something that you could offer the next generation, because along this sense of empowerment or this sense of taking back this wrongdoing or however, it had to be it has to be replaced with a, a sense of a value of some kind. And yeah. that internal value that you seem to hold in tow about the Morris today, which has been something long in coming. I mean, it, it's always been in our side view, but nothing seems to want to, except for brothers like yourself, bring it into our front view and yeah. challenge it. And, you know, um, one of the reasons why I, I think I, I go so hard on the issue, especially within the arts, is because, you know, when a people is conquered, man, the first oh. thing to take is, is the arts. Talk to me, boy. <laughs> talk, to talk, to me. Me. Well, talk to me. Let me know. Let them, let them hear what you had to say. When yeah. a people are conquered, they take away your art. cherished values, such as your art, the thing yeah. that reinforces who you are. Yeah. You know, to your external, but it still tells the story, right? They take away your arts, your literature, and the architecture. And one thing, uh, like uh, like um, like today, you know, I've been finding uh, a ton, a ton of old architecture here in the Americas that is just mind blowing, you know, and these buildings were knocked down in the late 1800s. Mm. Um, and they used to call them star forts. So places like uh, the nation's capital, almost every state had a setup like that. And it was called a star fort, um, you know, with the columns, the regal fountains, and you know, all of its was knocked down for what I don't you know, who knows the reason, um, and a lot of these buildings used to host used to host our our technology and engineering, as well. Um, and before they knocked them down, there was one place uh, it's called the the New York Palace. You know they used to have this place called the New York Palace in the 1800s, and that would showcase art, literature, and the latest engineering, and you know just like they did in San Francisco, they burnt it down. Right. Um, right. So you know, it's just, they you take- know, That's gonna be something we're gonna need to circle back with you in the community today about, you know, looking at these art projects, you know, man, cause some of the larger projects, uh, uh, community development projects and those uh, building 
uh, projects that we've had. One of the big hardest things that we were that we had that we were up against is that most people don't realize that the architectural aspect of a building and community is like a beacon. You know, right. it attracts the people to that community in which they really want to be attracted there. You know, and, and so you get it. You, you feed off that energetically, especially, right. especially uh, when you see the beauty of it. You know, um, there's there's an old uh, I was reading this book. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it says if you are given the more distorted images you are given, the more you will produce distorted images. Wow. You know what I mean, so it's almost like a, a, a optical medicine is how I like to look at what I'm doing. Also, when it comes to the photography, it's almost like an optical medicine. It's like we need to see ourselves in a beautiful national sense, you know, to kind of help kind of trigger that, 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 that uh, genealogical memory, that DNA memory, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's things like that that I, I kind of I kind of I hook on to and I, I won't let it go because it's like, OK, we need this. I need this, first of all. And then if anybody else is like me, they're going to need it as well. So it's like, you know, and it's something good to leave behind, you know, I think. You know, you know, my Morris brother, you you I, I would strongly encourage you to look at some of these opportunities that are going on now with these uh, <coughs> structural developments and all that stuff in the neighborhoods and stuff. Because that voice is missing. The voice you bring to this equation is a missing equation in this. And it's one, believe it or not, though, it's being searched after, you know, I mean, because you couldn't find too many black journeymen who know how to place a crown on the top of a building that represents the black culture. Right. That's a very, very difficult thing. To and like you, I've studied architecture, especially in San Francisco, man. And you look at the crowns of those buildings, you can walk down one block and and you very rarely will find the same crown in any one of those houses or buildings that you that you walk down. You so, know what's funny about those those crowns? What's that, bro? Uh, so what I've been uh, finding out is that a lot of those crowns on all these buildings were uh, like conductors. <laughs> and Let's so talk about it. There was there was a lot of um, so a lot of cities had these you know ornate crowns and jewels on the buildings exactly they like they were like energy conductors it was almost like the 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 cities or the the nation that had all this stuff around the nation was like a circuit board and so a lot of these things allowed for you know heat um, wireless electricity things of that nature was already popping like you know it's what's going on today is nothing new when you look at the oh, history. No, it ain't. So talk <laughs> about this part of this, man. So how that, you know, we've been in this pandemic and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that, man. How's the pandemic, how's your, your career and your work and stuff been during the time of the pandemic, man? Uh, man, the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, you know, um, I, I feel like, although, you know, there was some intimidating factors in there, um, but it was kind of my game to just sit at home. And I was like, I can sit at home and just read. <laughs> it might sound crazy to some, but I was like, I can no, sit no, no. And read. I was like, I can get projects done. I can read. Da, 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 da. Um, so I kind of just locked in and just knocked out things that I needed to get done and things that I was procrastinating on. And, you know, this is things, everything just kind of manifested. So, you know, the, the pandemic wasn't bad to me. And I think that's because one, I don't have a TV 
And then two, uh, you know, I think the literature kind of keeps me in a good headspace. Um, so, uh, you know, although things was going on, I was hopping on my bike, doing bike rides, going out into the trails and yeah, I was just in a different headspace. I, yeah, man. I, I couldn't in, let in, in a good one. It sounds like to me, cause I, I married you, but I'm surprised we ain't bumping into each other out there, you know? <laughs> Between fishing and all that, man, I said last year when it hit, I said, I'm going to go buy me a boat. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I asked this one question of a bunch of brothers. So how many people you know got beachfront property? And my, less than one, half a percent say, yeah, well, I know somebody, you know, they got something on somebody. And, yeah. I, and I laughed. I said, well, you know, they found this place through the river, you know. And yeah. then most likely when it's time to leave here, everybody's going to try to do it on the freeway. <laughs> you know. But I thought yeah. I'm gonna be on the river. I don't know about the show. I was hopping on. I was hopping on my raft and rowing up and down the river, and I was just doing a lot of outdoor stuff. And because you know, so I was kind of already doing that. So it was like my life didn't really change too much. Besides, you know, visiting certain people, and you know, you know, I wasn't able to go to pals as often as I like to, yeah. or yeah. certain coffee shops and stuff like that. But. It's like, you know, you let nature take its course and, you know, now things are kind of opening up slowly and. Uh, you did know. you take many, did you get any support, any any kind of fiscal support from any of the things for the business? This time, uh, did you, did yep. that, did that I get ran, Yep, I, I ran into some help with the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the, the CARES Act. The Oregon CARES Act that helped me with the, with the publishing of my book, which I needed so right. bad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm so that man. I'm so grateful that I that that came into my life and I met the right people. Yeah, it happened. Um, Because you know, publishing a a coffee table book is very expensive. Well, you know, we publishers around it, so we get it. We understand. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it ain't no joke. Most of the people think it's a joke. So, Marquis, tell tell the people out in the field right now, man. How can they support you and get you some help? How do they get a hold of you, man? Get in contact with you and and, and tell us about something that we might have missed here. Before you say that, tell us about something we might have missed here in this conversation. You like our viewers. And all this. Uh, also, so, so what, I, what I started during the pandemic is that the idea came to me to start my own um, platform, kind of like YouTube, and it's called abstractvisions.live. So on this platform, you can upload, upload video. Um, we also have a live streaming broadcast situation. And then we also have Zoom connected to the site as well. So wow. you have Zoom capabilities, live broadcasting capabilities, and video upload capabilities uh, all on one platform. Right. Um, and the one thing about it is that um, although it's like YouTube, but you know we get to curate the platform and not allow so much garbage and po- uh, visual and uh, musical poison into this this platform. Wow! So it, it's 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 up positive uploads. You know, uh, it's family friendly. Um, you know, it's it's aimed at our people. I mean, it's open to all nations, but it's aimed at our people because we need a a, a place where we can dialogue and you know, kind of tutor ourselves a little bit, things of that nature, without uh, outside interruptions. You know, that's very much needed. Um, I like to think of it as an online kind of healing zone for us. Um, and hopefully one day that I manifest into a brick and mortar healing zone for, for us as well. Um, 
so that site is up. It's live. It's been up for about eight months, going on nine months now. Tell us and the site address again. It's www.abstractvisions.live. So www.abstractvision.live. Yep. So that's Abstract Visions, A-B-S-T-R-A-C-T-V-I-S-I-O-N-Z dot L-I-V-E. Got you. Got you. And, so, you know, man, because I would have been remiss to miss that one because that platform sounds like that's going to be something exciting, man. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah, so, so you want yeah, people to just yeah. go to it and, 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 and drop some stuff on it or do you get yeah. a hold of you? How does that all work? Yeah, you can just go to the site and help build it up. You know, it's just, it's just like YouTube, you know, upload videos, create tutorials, educational programs. You can do a podcast on there. We have enough space on our server to, um, to host podcasts. We can host films. Um, so I, we've been hosting Spanish classes on there like every week now, which has been nice. Um, and then we're actually getting ready to um, plug a store to the to the site. So we're right on. Yeah, so we're having a, a vendor situation on there as well. Wow, wow, man! I, you know, bro, this has been a real eye opener, Marquise. Uh, I am so honored to have you on the show today. Oh, I really you. am. So, uh, what what's what's Technology Association of Oregon? Tell me a little bit about that. Say that again. The Technology Association of Oregon is that. That's something that you involved in also? Um, I, I, had, I had a meeting with, with someone from that organization. I believe his name is Skip. And, uh, you know, he gave me some, yeah, yeah. He gave me some, some good direction uh, as far as like the site, um, you know, site maintenance, uh, people to talk to as far as helping the site uh, get going and help help it build it up. Uh, <coughs> I, still, I still have some more meetings to, 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 to get under my belt uh, to get some more help. For right. the um, but you know, it's definitely a relationship that I definitely want to get tied into in the future. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that. You know, my brother, I think you're on the something. Na name of the book. Where, where can we get it when you get that coffee book? Oh, coffee oh. Book. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. So I'm building the website um, to plug into abstract visions live. So you're going to be able to get the book. Uh, so, this is the book. This is the coffee table book. Oh, wow. Um, 126 pages, beautiful image. Wow. And then also I created a, this, this beautiful journal. And you'll be able to get this as well. So this journal is, uh, you'll be able to get this on the website. Wow. In the, when you open it up, it says, know thyself. And wow. This, you know, your artists, your writers, things of that nature. Wow. I like that. I really do like that. And I think the coffee table book is going to be pretty exciting too. Sounds like a spendy endeavor there on that one, huh? For the journals or the coffee table book? The coffee table book. It's a yeah. nice large book and yeah. pretty. Yeah, it's it, it was it was it was a pretty penny, man, to to <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but but you know, it, you you know nothing good today. Like I said, everything good today is going to be what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, cuz you know, if it's good, you're going to pay for it. And that's the nature of the investment in anything. You know, man, I don't ever invest in nothing that I can't get some life out of. You know, and most of the time, if I can get some life out of it, it's going to cost me some money. Shit that you don't get no life out of, it don't cost you that. And we'll have canvases. So when you when you look through the book, you'll see the, the images of, of, the, of the different pictures. And I have 
canvases, art canvases to match just in case people want to buy the art canvases. And then also I started a, a incense line called uh, the Fragrance of Nobles. Um, so this is a really nice thing that they'll be on the website. And then also uh, a line of backpacks. You know, man, that's where that backpack came from, man. My partner came in to see me. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, uh, you, you can send a few of them over to the office. You hear what I said? You got a few of them. <laughs> send them over. You know, we, we got you over there. I'll come, I'll come by. I'll definitely come by. You got a couple of them in the, in the inventory. Send them over there. We, we got you. Yeah. Nice. You know, but listen, uh, Marquis, this, this has been a really great story, man. I am really... Uh, you know, we might have got a little bit off track, but man, some of these things that you're you got your hands on, man, I'm really I'm really actually um, you know impressed, man, to a greater degree because I I think you've gotten your hands on a on a way of doing things that bring us back to our 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 community, our our foundation, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 most importantly, man, being able to walk away with something that leaves you intact and, and with some dignity and some yeah. sense of self-respect, man. And so I, I applaud you and respect you for that, you know, and thank you for being part of our show where we take pride in improving people's perceptions of capability, significance, and influence in their lives and in the lives of their family and their community. So my brother, I do really respect and appreciate you coming on the show today and giving us your blessing, man, and giving us a little bit of your time and your energy, man. And may you have a blessed day, you hear? Yes, thank you. Respect, man. See you soon. Yes, sir. That's what that's all about. We're going to stand on the square. We're going to stand on the balloon. What are the <laughs> take it away. Take it away. Feeling too good to me. Chilling all day. All in your space is where I want to be. Here in this room, what did you do? I just can't get enough 